BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for March 16th, 2021. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling feed, or you can find us on our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you would like to donate to the show, just click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing page. You click the red box that says Sponsor This Podcast, and you can set up a one-time reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but I would like to take time to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears, as always by your other host and friend, Case Lowe. In Case, we are now just two weeks from Wakayama. We have Champion Gate in our rearview mirror. And weirdly enough, like we thought everything was going to speed up, but you know, this is, we only had one show to talk about this week. And luckily, we have a card for next one, but it's going to be kind of a tight one this week unless we get off on some like, king of the hill tangent uh how are you doing well it's always very possible to talk about king of the hill with you i'm sure at some point within this podcast we'll find our way through some tangents whether they be through the cage match wormhole or through our netflix cues mike i'm doing all right i really i'll say up top i kind of really like this kyoto show and i have not talked to you about it i don't know how you feel about it but there was some stuff on this show that i really liked and and you know, this next month, month and a half, it'll be a little slower for us. You know, we'll have Sambo Hall, we'll have Memorial Gate, and then I don't know if you saw, but the Dragon Gate Network live schedule for April was announced. 
And if I read it correctly, I believe there's only four live shows in April. Five, because uh, the Fukuoka is a double shot. Ah, yes. Yeah, but it, it it's one of those things that looking at this, but then we, we've talked about how May is just a killer out of the gates. So I'm not too surprised that these are the shows that were taped. I did notice that KBS Hall wasn't on the docket and as well. They kind of go away a little bit from Osaka after Champion Gate for a couple months until May, so not too surprising. But, I mean, it's Cork and it's uh, the double shot in Across Fukuoka. It's the home base show in Sambo Hall. And then we have the Speed Star Final Countdown in Higashi Osaka. Yeah, and then May, like Mike alluded to, and like we talked about a few weeks ago, I, the first two weeks of May, I don't know if there's ever been more live Dragon Gate content than than those first two weeks i mean I, i'm so excited for it but also just thinking about this show and uh, with my own just life and what i have going on i've already kind of stressed about the first two weeks of may because there is so much there's dead or alive there's a cork and there's a, a sapporo triple shot i i think they're running sambo hall within that time period and then at some point osaka number two is is likely i, I guess i should say going to get a king of gate show so there's a lot coming up, but I, I will take the slow, calm period that we're in now that was exemplified on March 13th in Kyoto. Yeah, so let's just get into it. As Case said, it was on the 13th. It'll be on the network until the 20th. The attendance was 204, uh, a little bit down, but they also had that double shot in Kyoto last month, so no big surprise. So off the top case, I liked this show. There was a lot of stuff. There was nothing on the show that like really bothered me and it was an incredibly quick watch but you know like looking at this we got high end versus red we got masquerade versus red we got a ut singles match there was a lot on the show for me to sink my teeth into and arakan arakan getting some big minutes it's it seems like he got called off the Drangate bench and is now putting in some minutes on the court which is nice to see it's crazy to me that two years in a row in 2020 and 2021 that Drangate is looking and going Let's give Kanichiro Rai a title shot. <laughs> and I love it. I'm a fan of the guy. I think it's awesome. It's just, with this roster, it's hard to believe that he's the guy getting put in that position. But, you know, I, I thought he delivered in this this tag team match on this show. I thought up until he separated his shoulder on the finish of winning the Triangle Gate belts last year, I thought he was a fun act in that, in that unit that was there holding the Triangle Gate belts. So it's bizarre. I love when they throw guys like that in the mix. And then, like you said, a UT singles match, some more stuff from high end, and a main event that I was a big fan of. Yeah, and it's something as the as the biggest fan ever of Kenichi Arai and Taku Awasa, I'm not going to complain about that. It does seem like that maybe he's benefiting a little bit from Kondo's injury in some ways. Like like he gets the tap up and saying, well, you know what we need here? We need the deep drunker. We need to have this really groovy entrance theme music. And, you know, that, and it's set up how we pretty much have what I would say are the two top matches in Wakayama because I don't imagine we're going to be seeing a full slate of tile defenses and a lot of that was built up on this KBS show. Yeah, the only thing that I could see getting added to Wakayama in terms of a match that really means something is if they do a multi-man, as in a three or four team triangle gate defense, but I don't get the impression that that's the direction they're going. So yeah, we've got our Dreamgate match, the aforementioned Skywalker versus Cosmo Sakamoto match. We talked about that a little bit last week. We'll preview it in depth next week. 
And then added to this card as well, what is that, March 27th in Wakayama, the Kenichiro Rai and Yasushi Kanda team will challenge for the Open the Twin Gate belts against Masaki Mochizuki and Takashi Yoshida. It's a wild, wild kind of just thing, thing about happening in 2021, but it makes sense, and it's something that makes me, as an Erican fan, just elated to see. So, getting into the show it start- itself, it started off with a Natural Vibes versus unaffiliated tag team match. It was KZ and Susumi Okoska versus Kakatora and Benkei. The fall was KZ with the Sky to Schoolboy in 12 minutes and one second. Yeah, we're back to Kakatora kind of meandering about i i really feel like they don't know what to do with him which is why we saw him team with masquerade now he's teaming with ben k i don't necessarily have a problem with it but i also don't think this match was anything more than a basic display of professional wrestling i mean not bad by any means but nothing spectacular not from the natural vibes duo and not from ben k and kagatora yeah and it's something that when we talk about like two newer units and the fact that you can do a lot with five people, you can't do a lot with four people. Kagator is kind of like the next man up. If Erickson's next man up in the Twin Gate division, then Kagator is the guy that they're going to call up to be like, hey, you're going to tag with this established unit. You're not joining, but you're dropping a fall here. And I mean, it's Kagator. We have talked a lot about him. My big takeaway from this match, because, yeah, it was just a pleasant opener. They played the hits. We got to see a Sky to Schoolboy for what, for what feels like the first time in a while, which, you know, that that's a lot of fun as well. My big thought is, I guess Ben is now back on doing his massive bulk up again because he has looked from where he was looking in Osaka to how he looks now. He, he He's cultivating mass, as Mac would say, on Always Sunny. Do you think it's at all intentional that High End debuted with four members, given the fact that Masquerade is down a guy in Dragon Daya, so they're at four members, and Natural Vibes is down a guy in Takedo Kame, so they have four members? Do you think there was perhaps a fifth that is in the works and will eventually fall under the High End umbrella, but they held off on it just to give the unit some sort of balance? I think it's something that this April Corkin with uh i mean that was the the other thing that was set up on the show when we get into it i think that there's gonna be ramifications from this april corkin that will quickly get high end their fifth member so yeah i would like to see whatever is left because if you look at the the dragon gate website right now you know again red is loaded they've got plenty of guys team boku is falling apart and then masquerade vibes and high end they're five-man units with injuries, or it's a four-man unit in the case of High End. There's a lot of roster members sitting at the bottom of the page in the unaffiliated section. Obviously, some of them are injured. Some of them, you know, your Super Shisas and your Stalker Chikawas, those guys are going to stay there. But for the rest of them, we're going to be approaching four months since the end of Generational Warfare. Here come the April Corican. Let, let's get some units. Let's Let's kind of shake things out here. Everybody find a team, everybody find a colorway, and let's move on with our lives. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the big feeling I get from this April Cork, and then when we preview it, I will talk more about it when we get there, but it's, it's, I mean, it's kind of a lull in the middle of the unit shuffle. Like, I kind of expected there would be kind of, like, a lean time when they figured out Team Boku, and then, of course, R.E.D. just has a giant question mark if you're someone that, like, likes charting out and figuring out who's going where. R.E.D. 
as is, should everyone, if you're new to Dragon Gate, and if you're someone that's kind of been back in, R.E.D. Did, has has existed long enough. And I feel like we say that a lot, but it's one of those <laughs> that, things that's that... That's been said many times on this podcast before, in multiple years, actually. Right. But, but n- now it's something, I mean, like, they won Generational Warfare. They are a sprawling unit. I mean, you look at the show, and three of the matches featured... R.E.D. members and you still had members of R.E.D. that weren't on the show so you're just like okay well we're at a point now that it has at least 10 members that there needs to be some stuff kind of figured out yeah do you and this is a this is a big question we really have no inclination I guess I guess we only have our instincts to go off of high-end are they the unit that is going to wipe out R.E.D. or is there going to be some sort of internal implosion that breaks this unit up i think it's going to be internal implosion just because in the history books there's only been one heel unit actually lose a disband match like straight up lose a disband match rather than in storyline throwing it or just like dissolving afterwards i think that it's good there's going to be things like i remember bringing up that ada tweet where he brought up the young generation saying that he has their back I mean, that leaves a whole lot of R.E.D. right there that probably, you know, could see some dissension there. And especially if you look at the uh, Dead or Alive Cage match, you have one person in that group that Ada mentioned. Ada mentioned basically all the younger men versus R.E.D. He has their back. And then Kai, of course, is a much older wrestler. So it just seems like the dissension makes the most sense. But it, it and it's one of those things that like I know you're not a gambling man, case, but no, you, I am not. But if you ever see a unit disbands match in Dragon Gate that has a face side versus a heel side, how do you bet? You bet the heel side. You bet the heel side. So there's going to have to be some sort of dissolution. I feel like. I think that's fair. I mean, you know, we probably talked in 2018 on the show about how the heel unit needs to disband, and then again in 2019, and then uh, you know again last year. I did not think R.E.D. was coming away being the victorious unit out of the three of them in Generational Warfare, but that's how it ended up. But it does seem like we're building towards some sort of shift, and and I'm saying this now as someone that is enjoying R.E.D. as a unit top to bottom as much as I have since they formed as Berserk in 2015. I mean, this is a really strong lineup that they have where... If Hulk delivers and if Yo's on his game, there's no holes in this unit. Those guys are very capable of delivering, and Ata's been very good as of late. It just, you know, I, not only am I ready for a shakeup, just because, again, it's been, you know, five and a half years of either Berserk, Antios, or R.E.D. at the top of these cards as the leading heel unit, but I also kind of think they're heading towards some sort of shakeup, and I think SB Kento is going to be a major part of that. And what role he plays, I do not know, but when the unit eventually breaks up or shakes up, I think he is going to be the driving force behind it. No, I'm totally with you on there. Uh, I went three flat on the opener. What did you have? A three flat. All right, then we got into the singles match on the show. This was UT versus Yosuke San Maria. UT won in 10 minutes and 20 seconds with the Fuego Octopus Hold Bomb. And Case, it, there's few things in the world I like more than UT singles matches. And this one, they played up, I felt like, exactly like UT being the mini maestro. And Maria, there wasn't as much of the 
Exotico things with Maria in there. So it was more of a straight up match. And all in all, like I really enjoyed it and I went three and a half stars on it. What were you, what was your big takeaway from this one? I'll throw in one quick critique before I go on to praising it. There was, there was a pretty messy moment in this match where UT, I, I think he was Irish whipping Maria with the idea that Maria would counter it. Maria did not. They kind of went into this awkward sequence where Maria hit the ropes and then was going for sort of a hip attack, but then UT was going for like a low drop kick and it just, it looked very messy. It looked very clumsy, that sort of stuff. If it happens in All Japan, who cares? If it happens in Drangeet, even on a Kyoto show, I kind of notice it. I take note of it. But that aside, the fact that UT won this match, I do feel is worth noting. And this is someone that when he's been healthy over the past two or three years, he's been a prominent member on these on these cards. But still, this is someone that hasn't held a title since 2014 in this company just because whenever he gets hot... He immediately gets injured, and even though it's a a meaningless number two match on a on a smaller show, the fact that it's a singles match with someone like Maria, who has held titles, who has been in big matches, who can look credible against the likes of say Kaito Ishida, the fact that UT wins this, it's like okay, good. They still have some faith in UT going forward. He can still be a player in some capacity, whether that's the Brave Gate belt the twin gate belts or the triangle gate belts, you know, that's, that's his future. And I think him winning one of those could be the peak of his career. So it's not worth going crazy over. There's still a long way for him to go before he really becomes any sort of prominent featured act, but just seeing that they're slotting UT over Maria, at least in the present is nice to see. You know, uh, I know what you're, you were referring to when you brought up that crisscross that came off to me like UT because UT had like the drop down that that Maria completely tripped over. It came off like to me like, oh, UT is smart enough and fast enough that he's visibly got Maria off her game. And that was my takeaway from that. And I think that it if it was intentional, maybe that's my own choice of how I'm choosing to read into this match. Maybe that's why I came away with going like, this is excellent. This is exactly what I want. But I totally understand like maybe I'm being a little bit too generous with that. And yeah, it, it, it's something where UT being healthy and UT being this prominent, you could just like, I'm not going to make one of our grand predictions here, Case, but wouldn't it be very nice for Nagoya and Aichi to have a hometown guy going for the Brave Gate again? It would be fun, Mike. It would be fun if the Bravegate champion didn't break him in half. It would be fun for all involved because obviously UT challenged Shasumi Hoska for the Bravegate belt in his hometown at Dead or Alive 2019. That was one of the best matches of the year in Dragon Gate. And I have no doubt that UT and Akuda could, pardon my French, Mike, rip shit up. I think that would be awesome. And it's something they like to do. So it's something that if he's figuring into their plans, I would put that in pencil, maybe. Well, but. And, and we are 100% on the side of the fact that Dragon Kid is going to win in his hometown, and they love beating Dragon Kid in his hometown, typically. So UT's got to take a fall on this show somehow. Yeah, I mean, I think Dragon Kid all time is like three and whatever in Nagoya. He's safe but. if he's keeping his mask. And I believe yes. he won a Bravegate title 
uh, and I think it was 2012, won a Bravegate title match in Nagoya. But other than that, that man is losing come May 5th every single year. Yeah, but this year, he, he, he's keeping his mask. They're not giving the mask there. But I thought that this was, like, really fun. And there was, like, a moment where Maria teed off and did one of the, lar- one of the loudest overhand slaps I've heard in a long time where the crowd, who, I mean, the, the crowd is okay. I mean, Kyoto is not Osaka. It doesn't get revved up. It's not Fukuoka who said it's on their hands. But they, there was an audible gasp when Maria just slapped the crap out of UT and that owned. There was some hard hitting on this show. There was some stuff later on that I really, really liked. And I went three and a quarter on this one. Very fun match. Good outing for both guys. Even with, you know, the, the, the if it if it was intentional, it looked very real. And thus, I can't knock it. And if it was a mistake, it was an Irish whip. I'm going to move on with my life. Very fun <laughs> match, though. Yeah, I went three and a half. And the Fuego, which oh, we were, this is like the one thing about the show we talked about. Never saw the, I don't remember the Fuego happening, and if I don't remember the Fuego happening, then odds are, and and in case you don't remember it happening as all, odds are we don't, this is a new move. It looks awesome. Like, just like the way that UT just uh, was in the octopus stretch and decided, whoop, that's it, and then did a, a bomb out of it. It ruled. Yeah, I certainly am not remembering a time in which UT did this finish. It I, the the way I can describe it, it looks like something Kagator would do. And, right. Yeah. And that is a compliment in this case. I know I I knock him every single week, but he does have very cool moves when he decides to use them. And UT is taking one of something that looks like it would be out of his playbook. So uh, there's a lot to like here. I hope UT continues to get singles matches, and I hope he continues to get wins. Yeah, yeah, real Guramakakari Kai hours there. Uh, <laughs> then we got into match three. It was Team Boku versus R.E.D. Team Boku, uh, Ryo Saito, Bokudomo Dragon, and Punch Tomonaga versus a interesting mix of R.E.D. where you had Eita, Diamante, and Daya Inferno. The fall was Diamante powerbombing Bokudomo Dragon again and getting the win in 11 minutes and 40 seconds. So they're going to do this mask versus mask match at Cork and Hall next month. Mike, how do you feel about that? Oh, I think that that's going to be the end of Team Boku in either Shimizu or Do. I think Shimizu ends up in high end. Interesting. I had not considered the high end perspective of that, and I really like that. I I don't even have an alteration of that plan. I don't have a separate take. That is... That is good. I, I like that combination, and I like Shimizu being in that mix because that's, you know, Ben K, who he's teamed with before. They're a great team. He hasn't really spent a ton of time with Akuda, hasn't really spent a ton of time with Dragon Kid, and he and Yamato, were they ever, were Shimizu and Yamato in a unit together? Shimizu and Yamato. No, no, because it was Die Hearts, Monster Express, then Maximum, R.E.D., and Team Boku. That's crazy because I feel like I feel like I've seen them together, but I guess not. So that that would be a fresh pairing, and I don't think that would devalue high end. Whereas if you put again, just because I've been making fun of him for months now, if you put Kagatora in high end, you're like, whoa, those are four stars and a guy. Whereas Shimizu, again, I, as I've said since he really leaned into this comedy thing, he is one shot put slam away from back from from being back to being a a vicious contender for any title in the company. So I would fully support that. I, I am on board with your fantasy booking, and I kind of hope it happens now. It, and it's something that, like, 
you can use him as a fall post until you start really heating him up as well. So I mean, like Shimizu's at a point where he can take falls and it's not going to hurt him. So no, you know, not at and all. then and then as you said, he can shot put, slam one person. Everyone's like, oh, big is back. So it, it it just makes sense to me. I don't think Doi ends up there. I think Doi probably starts his own thing. But it, I you look at this Corkin and you look at like Diamante where. It, it it's something where like maybe it is like the Bokudama Dragon Act. It is it is pretty over. It is something that provided me great amusement here. Kind of done with it, and in some ways I'm like, hell yeah, Diamante, you've been getting really good. Take that mask, and then l- let's go from there. Uh, coming in April, you know, Diamante is someone for as much as I'm I'm enjoying him in Japan right now. I really want him to go back to Mexico just for a little bit to see how good he would look in the Lucha environment, how much better he would look than any of his contemporary Luchadors, because we're seeing it right now with Jimmy, and and this is not the episode to dive into hashtag Jimmy Watch, but in a few weeks, I would imagine we'll have time to really look at the work he's been doing in Mexico. Here's the thing. I've said a lot of bad things about Lucha over the years. Right now, in March of 2021, I am into the lucha. I am feeling it, and I am into specifically the grimy lucha indie scene, which I've always had a real fondness for. I, I would certainly rather watch a Martinez promotion show than a CMLL Arena Mexico show, but right now, I'm feeling the lucha, and a lot of that is because of the work Jimmy is doing, because Jimmy he just he looks so good on these shows in Mexico, and I think if Diamante came back there even just for a little bit, people's heads would turn at just how good he's gotten. Yeah, and it's something that Diamante was a guy who was in CMLL, but because CMLL, and the the joke with K- Case, I know you, you avoid it like the plague. But the joke with CMLL is that it's booked from a hat, basically. <laughs> and but isn't that AAA's booking as well? AAA has some coherence there. So, I mean, AAA is a much more fun promotion. It has a lot more fun wrestlers and wrestlers that care, and it has Hugo Savinovich, my main man. That is true. Mike Spears not publicly horny ever, but publicly showing affection for Hugo Savinovich all the time. And that is that says a lot about you as a person, Mike, and I, I respect you for that. The other thing I want to note about this match is that Jay translated uh, Rio Saito's promo on his Twitter and noted that it wouldn't be a big deal if Shimizu lost because he could become Boku Mascaris or Jushin Thunder Boku. I would really like to see Boku Mascaris just because I don't know what Mill Mascaris' signature spots are. I mean, I remember he did planchas. Mill Mascaris, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a big Mill Mascaris guy to begin with. I, th- did you see the video going around a few days ago of Eddie Guerrero wrestling Shibata? I I saw clips of it on Twitter. Yeah, but... yeah, that's that, that's where I saw it as well. I loved that in that clip, and this is like 2002 Shibata. It would have been 2002 because it's when Eddie was back in New Japan. But in that little like 90 second sequence they do, Eddie hits Shibata with the Lucha shoulder bump where you just right. you get hit with the shoulder and you jump back an inch. And I thought it was so funny that Shibata, of all people, given who he would turn into, is just doing baseline-level lucha in this clip. <laughs> it's it, For some reason, it just killed me watching it, of Eddie just doing that that little lucha shoulder check, and then Shibata bumps back into the ropes, and then they do their spot. It's very funny to me for some reason. <laughs> Big fan of hidden luchador Katsuyori Shibata. But yeah. This match was really kind of sleazy and brawled around, and then 
it was on the verge of being surprisingly good at points. Like I, you, you know how down I was on the Dio Inferno character. I love Dio Inferno 2021 and his points in this match. Like he comes across like an actual monster in this, and I'm finally seeing what you saw originally with this. And the rest of it was just kind of there. I went two and three quarters. Yeah, no, it's a totally skippable match. I'm at the same rating there. It was to me the weakest thing on the show. And then we had this tag match. The, the tag match of people that I imagine that all four of them afterwards, that they all got them some themselves some cans of Asahi Dry and probably were chain smoking out back and just like nodding at each other in silence. Uh, I've been watching a, a lot of Trailer Park Boys lately, Case. <laughs> which, which, yes, yeah, you talk about Netflix Q. Like, like, I was like, oh, I'll talk about Trailer Park Boys in 20 minutes. That's great. And I definitely get the vibe that this Arai and Conda tag team would fit in with Julian, Ricky, and Bubbles very well. They got the win over Don Fuji and Takashi Yoshida with Arai with a high angle front cradle in 12 minutes and 28 seconds. You know, I have not seen many episodes of Trailer Park Boys, not a show that I'm intimately familiar with. I have been rifling through, since we're going to talk about Netflix for a second, I have been rifling through the iCarly episodes that are available on Netflix now. Mike, I know I'm a little bit younger than you. Was iCarly in, are you aware of this show? I know of its existence case. I, I engage in the cultural milieu that exists at any one time. I know about iCarly, and I know about the sweet life of Drake and Josh just just because I exist in America. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. What was the name of the show? The Sweet Life of Drake and Josh. Was, Am I right in saying that? No, no, sir, you are not. That, those are two different shows. It is Drake and Josh, and it is The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Okay, so like, there's three shows I'm aware of. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> really one and a half, but, but I'll count it. Uh, first of all, let me just say... If you can look past the gross Dan Schneider accusations that are out there that occasionally definitely creep into the show, some of his fetishes, the show was hilarious. I Part of it is nostalgia just because I am of that age where I grew up with Miranda Cosgrove and grew up with this show. Oh my god, though, it holds up. It's so, so funny. And while there is definitely a part of the Arakin, Kanda, Fuji, Yoshida quartet that would fit in with the Trailer Park Boys, Don Fuji's dancing during the Natural Vibes entrance from just last week would certainly fit into the iCarly canon known as Random Dancing. So you see, we take (laughs) Netflix and we take Dragon Gate and we make it into Open the Voice Gate. Uh, all I'm saying is I I know that uh, that if they were in a trailer park in Nova Scotia, that Kenichiro Arai and Yazushi Kanda would, would be packing and would be trying <laughs> to find ways to move hash in shopping carts with Bubbles, Julian, and Ricky. They might be doing that in Osaka, Mike. I don't think they need to be in a hey. trailer park in Nova Scotia to do that. Allegedly, 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 of course, allegedly, of course, what is what is not allegedly what is a, a stone cold fact is that I thought this match way over delivered. I thought this was so much fun. Yeah, and it's something with Arai, like whenever he's given the ball and since he kind of what had his wilderness wandering phase, he's taken advantage of it. Kanda, whenever Kanda doesn't show up as much anymore, but whenever Kanda shows up, he's never bad. And, you know, Yoshida, I'm never going to be a huge Takashi Yoshida fan, 
but there's something incredibly endearing with them. And then you know how I feel about Don Fuji. Like, it's just like the, the, they could have very easily coasted on this, but instead had a, a match that like brought together the card and, you know, it fit for being the, the pre-intermission match. And that's something that I would normally not say with these four people. I really, really like this. And I think if we get even just this level of output and Wakayama when you sub in Mochizuki for Fuji, that is a win. Because, you know, again, it's Arakin and Kanda who are not just post-prime, they're well past their prime, and Yoshida is always a wild card. But I thought this worked really well with Arakin and Kanda trying to chop down the giant and Yoshida. I, I, it's It's amazing to me that Yoshida spent 13 straight years as either a heel in the dominant sense or a heel in the bumbling idiot sense because you watch this guy work as a babyface and all of a sudden, things just make more sense. Like, he was just... I thought Yoshida was on fire in this match. I mean, I, I became really invested in this towards the finishing stretch because I was so curious to see how it was going to end. And then Arakan and Kana, they get the flash pin on Yoshida and they set up the tw- the twin gate match from there. I was at three and a half on this, which I, I was shocked. I did not expect to be this high looking at this match on paper. I was a three, but I was like this match on paper was probably a two star special. Yes. So... But I totally understand, like, uh, I have to say, Takashi Yoshida might end up being best and most improved in 2021 just because of their, just cause the face turn is working this well. Again, all I need from him is three and a half star output, and if he continues to deliver that, I I have no issue with it. This was, this was a win. I think they're going to deliver in Wakayama, and Mike... We've been pleading, we've been begging for new teams to get into the Twin Gate mix. Did I expect it to be Arkin and Yasushi Kanda? No, I did not. Am I going to complain about it? No, I am not. No, we do not look the gift horse in the mouth here. And it's something where, like, it works for a C-show semi-main event. Like, this is, like, this is a Twin Gate match that could also be happening across Fukuoka, you know. It, it, it's not... It's not going to be like one of those real selling points, but you look at this main event match, and we'll get more into or the semi-main event match, the swing gate match, and there's a lot of history between these four guys, especially with like Mochizuki and the former N2K members. That like the, the, there's stuff to sink your teeth into. Like you're saying that these that that Kanda and Erican are are beyond cooked. Like like they're they're basically been cooked into charcoal briquettes in a lot of ways. But there's a lot to kind of get into with this match and. It's something where I can't believe I'm this excited about this Wingate match. Yeah, imagine even six months ago, forget a year ago, but just six months ago, someone is pitching to you, okay, this is going to be the Twin Gate match. It's going to be Masaki Mochizuki and Takashi Yoshida. They're coming in as champions, and they're wrestling Arakan and Kanda. Your first question would be, <laughs> what went wrong? Or I'd be like, oh, so they really don't care about the show this year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so it's a sold show, sold show. <laughs> right. I mean, the only way that makes us more sold is if this ends up being like the Sachioko Boy Homecoming, you know? I, yes, I, well, what, remind me of the Sachioko Boy Homecoming. What's always weird about that? Isn't that one of those weird shows? Well, he, it's an Okayama. And remember a couple of years ago where there was like, these shows that were it, there was a double header that one of them was a one of them was a Dragon Gate a Sachioko Boy Homecoming and then 
the second half of the double, or like the one, the other half of the doubleheader, I don't remember if it was before or after it, was a stardom show. And they were, and it was uh, Kagetsu, uh, Hazuki, who both had retired, and then, and then Satyoko Boy doing all of the local promotion for it. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. That is crazy, because my, my go-to when it comes to homecoming shows for Dragon Gate and it also is it doubles as my holy grail Dragon Gate footage because I know a lot of these shows were were taped in at least some capacity. But Shingo's homecoming shows, if you want to, oh Yamanashi, yeah, if you want a mind trip of some of those cards, I, I mean the the lineups they would put together it because it was just like oh not only is Shingo one of the best wrestlers of all time, but if you gave him the pencil, he would be one of the best bookers of all time as long as he didn't let the FMW stuff cloud his judgment too much because they would bring in Masato Tanaka in Onita. Mudo was there one year, and look, I don't want to watch Mudo ever, but he was there, and it was cool <laughs> to see him in Dragon Gate. And it's just always one of those where those Shingo homecoming, it's like, wait, what was the main event? They did Shingo Dragon Kid and Masato Tanaka against Onita and, and whoever else. It's th- Those were fun shows. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Well, like, the thing about Yamanashi, and I think one of them is up on the network. I know one of them was taken. The, the, the Mudo one is on the network. I think that's 2017. Yeah. So the thing about it is, and I don't think he is anymore, he was a hired cultural ambassador for Yamanashi for a long time. So, like, he would, like, grind out for it, and then he would bring in these people. Like, you, you would always see uh, Strong BJ there. Like, Sekimoto and, and Oyabayashi would always be there as well. As well, But the thing about the 2017 one is they had Pyro for his entrance, which is, like, just bizarre <laughs> to see outside of a Big Five show. Have you seen, I know, I, I guess I don't know what wrestling you're watching outside of Dragon Gate right now. Have you watched Shingo versus Okada from New Japan Cup? I need to. I know that Shingo is right now the front runner for most outstanding in the world right now. But it, it, it's something where I, you, you know what does this to me, Case? And, and, and you know what my mindset is when I'm covering something. Like I try to be as much of a completionist as possible, right? Yeah. Fucking dark elevation, man. <laughs> I uh, I was recording a podcast, an episode of the Art School Albums podcast last night, so I did not get a chance to watch the show. But fucking dark elevation has been a reoccurring sentiment in my life today from people that did watch it. It's something where I, I I'll let this take out for free. It clearly is a batch taping that they're going to try to sell into international syndication like main event like it just hits the vibe of it that you can edit down i feel like i had two main event angles on there there was like clear like things that you could tell were like commercial break times on it but it just was one of those things that in comparison to dark which you know i watched the first hour on uh, before we got recording and dark like went through like 11 matches in an hour good outing from layla like, hirsch which i don't typically say but i thought she looked good on dark tonight yeah, we had Layla Hirsch. We had Mr. Freak Beast, Nick Camarado. Oh, man. You know? oh, my stock on Mr. Freak Beast. Let me tell you, I cannot buy enough of it. That guy is going to be a star. That is someone. Well, let me be. Uh, Another indictment, Case. Another indictment. Let me let me be careful of the way I phrase this because I don't want it to come across as insensitive. And I, I don't think it will. But if it does, I apologize. I'm not meaning for it, too. But 
we saw what Brody Lee was capable of during his brief tours of Dragon Gate. Can we get Mr. Freak Beast over in this promotion? Because I think it would be a big hit. <laughs> a tag team of Mr. Fr- Actually, here here's a Triangle Gate team for you guys. Did you just buckle yourself in there? Here, uh, Here's a proposed open the Triangle Gate champion team. Mr. Freak Beast, Diamante, and Hio. Yeah, and then they're wrestling Kamei, UT, and God, who's in, in Dragon Daya, I think. I would like to... That That's just big guys versus small guys. Let's run it on every single stop of the tour. Let's just do it. I think that's a minimum four stars every single time. That's fun stuff. Go watch Shingo versus Okada, though. Uh, it is... Not as good as their G1 match, which I thought was one of the five best matches of last year, but it is damn close. I think I'm higher on it than most people, but oh my god. I mean, Shingo, Shingo's unreal. Like, I'm, I obviously wish he was in Dragon Gate just because he's one of my favorite wrestlers ever, but seeing him just do what he's doing, when he left, I was like, oh cool, he'll be in New Japan and he'll be like a junior champion and, and he'll have good matches, but I think we've seen the best of Shingo but no, he's just, he's become the best wrestler in the world and has surpassed Ray Phoenix and, and Jason Lee and Kazusada Higuchi as my wrestler of the year right now, and his lead is growing. Yeah, it, it, it's something where we always knew that he was this great. It's just something that we didn't necessarily see the ball being given to him in this fashion. And I mean, I have him as one of my top five wrestlers of all time, and It's something where each year and with how New Japan's presenting him, because they're very easily, he could have just been pigeonholed as a junior, as you said, but them letting him thrive and letting him be Shingo Takagi is the best thing possible for him. And it just makes his uh, candidacy as greatest wrestler ever go higher and higher by each big match. I said it on the podcast we did with Alan Forel over on Pro Wrestling Torch, where we talked about the greatest wrestlers in Dragon System history, a two-part, four-hour podcast. But I said, you know, Shingo's New Japan run by itself would get him into my top 100. It's been that good. It's been just utter insanity because not only do you have your high points with your Osprey match and your Ishii match and your Okada matches, all of those Shingo and Bushi versus Rapongi 3K matches were excellent. You have the Dragon Lee match from Cork and Hall at the Super Juniors Tournament, which might have the single greatest suicide dive ever when Dragon Lee hit Shingo at about 100 miles an hour and knocked him about five rows deep into Cork and Hall. If you just put that portion of his career on a resume, that's one of the best 100 guys we've ever seen. And then you factor in all of the Dragon Gate stuff, 15 years of being one of the best wrestlers in the world, which is a generous take to say one of the best, when in reality, he's always in that top five, top 10 hunt every single year from about 2005 onwards, plus the Drangit USA stuff, plus the Drangit UK stuff, plus the PWG stuff, plus the ROH stuff. There's not too many guys better than Shingo Takagi. He is, I, I will miss him when he's gone. Yeah, yeah. And he's someone that I feel very fortunate to have seen him in person several times. Like, it's one of those things that, like, when going to see the MSG show, for example, I was more excited by, like, oh, well, like, there was, like, okay, there's an IWGP heavyweight title match, there's all this stuff up and down the card, Madison Square Taven, but I was like, (laughs) oh, yeah, Shingo's in the opening battle royal, I'm still stoked for it. Yeah, I guess that's something, because I don't really know where the New Japan 
ROH relationship lies at this point, just because I've been... ROH is always, like, the next thing on my watch list that I never get to at this point. But assuming there's either New Japan in the USA or New Japan ROH shows going forward once the world opens back up a little bit, you would have to think that Shingo is going to be one of their featured acts. I mean, he, at least from what I see on Reddit... Not from the dopes that that won't shut up about the monkey incident, which is not the show to do that. God, I fucking hate those people, though. Uh, But you have to think just from what I see, Shingo is one of the most over native acts that New Japan has to fans in the West. And if they're going to come back to the States, I would build around him. He is the attraction right now. Yeah, yeah. And if anyone needs to have a 80 hour primer on what to do and what not to do when you're doing an expansion of a Japanese promotion in the United States. <laughs> we talk a lot about how Shingo, whenever he's over there, is, is like was a featured star, like capital S, capital T, capital A, capital R star, and you, you kind of have to run with that. Yeah, well, if you would like an official wrap-up on the Drangate USA Rewind and Rewatch podcast, it will be hitting your podcast feeds on Monday, March 22nd. And we'll be talking a lot about just how good Shingo was in his very brief time in Drangate USA. Absolutely. So just to get the train a little bit back on track, like I thought we were going to do some tangents, but I didn't realize that we'd be on this much of a tangents. Uh, semi-main event of the Kyoto KBS Hall show from March 13th was high-end versus R.E.D. It was Yamato, Dragon Kid, and Keisuke Akuda versus the R.E.D. team of Kai, Kaito Ishida, and SB Kento. And something that's been happening a lot lately, Yamato got the win with the Frankensteiner of the Almighty on SB Kento in 10 minutes and 38 seconds. You're right, that's a reoccurring trend, something I noticed as well, but I don't really know what to make of it. Is it simply building to the dead or alive match, or is there something more that I need to be clued in on, Mike? I think it's just Bill, to be honest. I mean, when you look at how they, how particular they've been with Kento Kabune's booking over the first uh, 18 months of his career, you know, they've been very, they know what they have in him. And and you wouldn't go from being, from semi-main event in Kobe World at age 20 to being the person who took four out of five falls in a five-star match at Final Gate to constantly be losing to what basically is Yamato's flash pen. Like, it, it has to be building to something. I would agree with that. I think largely... Uh, build for now and we'll see where it goes I came away from this match and it's something that I feel like I've said a lot over the past year particularly once King of Gate started last year in May with the empty arena shows and we were screaming about it then unsure of the status of Kobe World unsure of the status of the heel unit not really knowing where things were going to go but we started talking a lot about just how many fresh and appealing matchups Kaito Ishida has on paper and one that really jumped out to me here was Dragon Kid and Kaito Ishida in some sort of singles match because they kicked each other and they kicked each other hard in this match. And I would like to see those two go one on one for about 12 minutes now. Yeah, that was like the neat thing about this match because so we have the cage match together in Yamato and DK and Kai and SP Kento. But then we have the thing that we've been saying that they're going to keep on calling back to this. Then you have Okuda and Ishida, and Okuda and Ishida had a prolonged segment here, but it was interesting seeing Ishida getting a chance to really match up with with Dragon Kid as well, Yamato. Those two have pretty interesting chemistry there as well, and 
I thought this was just from start to finish for a 10 minute match. I felt like it, it was exactly what I wanted to. I did not think it was exceptional, but I thought that this was a very strong three and a half star semi main event on a Kyoto KBS hall show. And I mean, these high end versus red trios and Atomico matches, they are distinctly different from the masquerade ones, but they are also good in their own way. Back to back three and a half star matches for me. I'm at 3.5 on this one as well. And yeah, I'm into the high-end R.E.D. stuff. This feels, you know, we'll, we'll talk about with the main event. The Masquerade versus R.E.D. stuff has been excellent. The high-end versus R.E.D. stuff feels big. And there's just a, a, a subtle distinction there, but it really comes across like these SBK and Yamato interactions and whatever Kaido Ishida is doing, the continued Ishida versus Akuta beef, which I told you all last year, Every time these guys are in the ring for the rest of their career, they're going to hit each other with forearms. They did it again in this match. It was great to see. There's just an aura to these matches that I, I really like, even if they're not peaking as highly as some of the R.E.D. versus Masquerade matches. No, I'm totally with you on that. And then that gives us the main event of the Kyoto show. This was Masquerade versus R.E.D. It was the full complement of Masquerade, Shun Skywalker, Kota Minora, Jason Lee, and La Estrella versus... The R.E.D. team of Kazma Sakamoto, B.B. Hulk, Hio, and Hip Hop Kakuda. The fall, as one would guess, was Kazma Sakamoto over Jason Lee with the two with the true Tiger Knee subtype in 13 minutes flat. And before we get into this, I love the fact that when they do like these big main event masquerade matches, that the entrance is incredibly long. It's something that I do think like they did try to kind of speed it up, but it still is incredibly long. I do like the fact that they each take off their mask when they're being introduced. I think that's really rad. The masquerade aesthetic and the execution of it all is flawless. It, it's really such a polished and professional looking act that, you know, I, I obviously, obviously because I do this podcast, gravitate towards the aesthetic of Gate a little bit more than other promotions. But the masquerade stuff, that's... That feels major league. I mean, that feels big time. And if you saw that on a New Japan show or on a bigger show in America, I don't think it would look out of place. I don't think it would look low rent. Every time they do the big special long entrance, I am I am a fan of it. Yeah. And then the match itself. I mean, this was I thought this was a really solid build to Kazma and Shun. They have great chemistry together. And Kazma came off like a monster in this, as he should. And it's something where, like, we got another Masquerade versus R.E.D. match. They have incredibly high floors here with these matches. And La Estrella, in, like, one of the only uh, dives in the night, did a really sick through-the-ropes tope con hello. Glad you had the Estrella dive in your notes as well. That was one thing that I was going to mention. That was the first time I've seen him do a dive quite like that, and I thought he crushed it. Mike, my take for you, I made sure not to tell you this before we started recording. Of all the R.E.D. versus Masquerade matches, and we've seen a lot of them over the past four months— We've seen, uh, I guess I should say, we've we, we've said, rather, that if we were going to bring Drangate back to America in some capacity, we would book Masquerade versus R.E.D. This is their best four versus four match they've had yet. Four and a quarter stars from me. Go out of your way to watch it. Wow. I was three and three quarters. And I totally understand, like, your vibe and thinking that like, these eight guys were working really well. But it's... Oh, well, what put that over the top for you? Part of it was, I thought everyone, Hulk and Hyo especially, carried their weight. This was ants marching. This was a team working together. These were eight guys that went out there. I thought they were all on. I also thought this was a really interesting wrinkle in the masquerade 
versus RED series because we've seen a lot of uh, SBK in this in this spot. We've seen a lot of Ato. We've seen a lot of Kaito Ishida. Obviously, those guys hit hard, but they're also faster, quicker guys. This was the the stiff side of RED. These were the hard hitters, and everybody brought some heat in this match. There's uh, the the Estrella versus Kakuta chemistry is so top notch. And there was a moment where those guys are doing battle, and then Estrella gets sent to the floor, and it's Kakuta and Minora in the ring. And Kakuta hits an ass attack on Kota Minora. I'm sorry, Kakuta hits an ass attack on Kota Minora, and Minora's head snaps like it's a JBL lariat. He got hit with a 100-mile-an-hour ass to the face, and it made me lose my mind. It looked so good, and it looked so violent. And then they never slowed down. This is a pretty short main event, all things considered. 13 minutes, 20 seconds. And it just went and went and went. And it was stiff. And it was engaging. They got Sakamoto over to an incredible degree in this match. I, this was firing on all cylinders for me. It was a nice change in the RED versus Masquerade matchup, like I said. I just loved what this was. Okay. No, and I do think that the Kakuta Minora stuff was really strong in this. But like my big takeaway was like, all right, they they have now shown that Shun and Kazma have great chemistry. And my other like big pause of this match, for as much as we kind of lamented on how the interference went in the Brave Gate match in Osaka, everything was on point. Yagi was Yagi was doing his job and was not made out to be like a total idiot here, and everything flowed really well. Yeah, no, this was a giant win. Like I said, I think I think that's the essential viewing. I was looking over my spreadsheet, and this is, to me, the best match they've had, a unit versus unit, and it made me even more excited for Sakamoto versus Skywalker. I think those guys are going to crush it in their Memorial Gate match, and I think Skywalker is going to exit March in a much better state than he entered it in. No, I'm totally with you with that. And then we had a very interesting post-match thing to close out the show in Kyoto. So Kazma did a promo. I'm going to quote from Jay. He had some translations he mentioned earlier, but he pointed out during this that Kazma tells Shun that he needs to watch his back and not just in the ring, backstage, and on the street because pro wrestling is a war and you can get dropped anytime, anywhere. And then he left, and then Shun started doing the thank you very much for, for being here. We'll see you again next next month thank you very much uh part of the go home and then kazma came back in the ring and floored and beat the crap out of masquerade immediately and apparently like during like backstage interviews and press stuff he attacked him again so kazma is out for his neck watch out on the streets kazma sakamoto taking a page out of the max caster playbook yeah yeah it is something that I've really enjoyed and I I have an idea in my head and I'm saying this on record so that this will have like some sort of people giving me like you have to do this nice this I might write an article about why Kazuma Sakamoto is actually great right now because in the lead up to Wakiyama just because like how complete of a character he is how much he's really blossomed to being this integral part of the Dragon Gate roster and you know he is probably I, I when I was watching this match maybe this tells you the state of my sleep lately case but I did have like the Michael Cole oh he's the best pure striker in, in Dragon Gate thing about Kazuma Sakamoto when he hit the first knee before the the true dragon or the true tiger subtype the the knee of death that he hits to the downed opponent on the ropes is incredible it looks so good 
every single time, no matter what angle they shoot it at. And Sakamoto's in an interesting position where I think he's now hit that point where more people are talking about how underrated he is rather than people underrating him, if that makes sense. Like, there's a lot of like, oh, Kazuma Sakamoto's actually good now and everybody's wrong, but that's the only discourse I see and not a lot of people going like, oh, I don't know about Sakamoto, but it's all well-deserved. He's really, I mean, I look, I said from his debut match he was going to work out in this promotion. I did not see future Dreamgate challenger in that prediction, though, but he's earned every bit of it. He's been absolutely tremendous. He was not my MVP of this week, but if he if there was a top three, he would be my number two. So who was your MVP of this week? My MVP of this week, someone that I thought over-delivered, someone that is bringing me shocking amounts of joy right now, and someone that I thought had a very, very good performance and a very good match. I can't believe I'm saying it, Mike. 313 Kyoto, my MVP. Takashi Yoshida. Okay. Okay. I respect your reasoning there. Um, my MVP of the week is Kazuma Sakamoto. I felt like that he really came across like a Dreamgate challenger versus a throwaway defense, mm. you know? And and this build to the most C name show that Dragon Gate has on its schedule, it's, I'm now sufficiently hyped for it. Yeah, I am looking forward to, hopefully by the time we record next week, we'll have that full full Memorial Gate card because just given the oddities of the final two matches, the big two matches with the Kanda Arc and Twin Gate Challenge and Kazuma Sakamoto in a Dream Gate Challenge, I hope the rest of the card is as weird as those two matches, and I think there's a good chance that it will be. I think Case just wished for a Super Sisa, a Sachihoko boy, and Sakura Chikawa challenge for the Triangle Gate right there. Well, look, if I get Super Shisa and KZ in the same ring, I'm getting to walk Yama before Larry Dallas will, okay? I am breaking whatever <laughs> protocol I can. I am front row for that match. I mean, that that, that would be... Then you would know that I really have a, a really creepy ability to speak things into existence if that happens. Look, speak Super Shisa into title matches into existence, please, because that is that is the one piece of this puzzle that's missing. Like, they've pushed Ark in two years in a row. Konda's now chasing the gold, and I'm okay with it. Let's bring on Super Shisa. Let's help that guy out. No, I, I, I mean, what else can you really do with Super Shisa other than... He is in the Royal Sambo match this week. So talking about this uh, Kobe Sambo Hall show, they're back in the friendly confines. I'm going to run down the matches case and then feel free to jump in or wait until after for your thoughts on the card. Go for it. All right. Opening match, Keisuke Kuda versus Punch Tominaga. Second match, tag team, uh, Team Boku of Bukudamo Dragon Rio Saito versus Kai and Diamante. Third match, unaffiliated unaffiliated across the board actually now i'm looking at this ultimo dragon yazushi kama kanda and gamma versus misaki mochizuki takashi yoshida and don fuji the royal sambo returns we will see if konamawa ichikawa can go five and oh the other people in this match super shisa kness kagatora kz problem dragon yosuke san maria jason lee the returning champion hoho loon Eita, Hio, Hip Hop Kakuda, and Diet Inferno. Semi main event, Masquerade versus R.E.D. It is the full complement of Masquerade. Shun's, actually, I, I did it again, Case. It's not the full complement because Jason Lee is in the, the Royal Sambo match. It is Masquerade plus 
Sachioko Boy, Shun Skywalker, Kota Minora, La Estrella, and Sachioko Boy versus R.E.D., Kazuma Sakamoto, B.B. Hulk, Kaido Ishida, and S.B. Kento. And the main event, High End versus Natural Vibes. Yamato, Dragon Kid, and Binkei versus Isumu Yo- Yokosuka, uh, Genki Horiguchi, and U.T. To me, that main event is about as exciting of a match as they can possibly book. My guess is UT is taking the fall there and they're going to set up some sort of triangle gate defense. Well, I guess when when in the calendar would they be able to do that? Because isn't Yamato well, already booked for the April Corkin? He is booked for the April Corkin, but not for Wakiyama. Do you, oh, that would be a big match for Wakiyama if they did Yamato, Dragon Kid, and Benkei versus Yokosuka, Horiguchi, and KZ. That... That seems big, doesn't it? I mean, l- l- let's not tell stories out of school here. Shin Skywalker hasn't been an immense box office presence as champion. Kazma's a first-time Dreamgate challenger. And then you have the old men in the Twingate match. That gives it a little bit of spice. Now I'm looking at that. I think you're right. I you know, that That is something that I, you know, for as much as I looked at this card earlier today, that did not really jump out at me, but that's probably the direction they're going. And I think that's tremendous because I am really excited at the prospect of high-end versus natural vibes. It's the first time we're going to see that. It's a good combination, like UT being in there with Ben K and Dragon Kid. I think you can do fun stuff with both those guys. And Yamato, assuming he tries, will work well against everybody in that match. So, you know... The undercard is whatever. We'll we'll see what they do with Okuda and Tamanaga, and then everything through the Sambo Battle Royal should hopefully be fun. And then those final two matches, look, Shachioko Boy is going to take the fall in match number five, but that's not a bad thing. And match number six, like I said, first time we're seeing it, title implications at stake. Fun stuff going on here. This should be an enjoyable Sambo Hall show. Yeah, and at the very least, if the undercard stuff drags, which has a potential to really drag to be honest the sambo has i'm looking to see i'm looking forward to see how how anyone could stop the chikawa or how is he going to win it this time very interesting mix of wrestlers in there i mean you have ada and kz in that match that's uh that that's pretty big for a royal sambo maybe they should start loading the deck and putting all the heavy hitters against konamawa chikawa and these things if he just can't be stopped but yeah the semi-main event the main event this is going to be where you have stuff to sink your teeth into because yeah high end versus natural vibes first time that's a pretty a steamy main event and i think that as i said i think it's going to lead to the last thing being added to wakiyama well if that's the case i think that's tremendous and then at that point wakiyama is shaping up to be a really exciting show because even if the old men challenging for the twin gate belts and sakamoto versus skywalker maybe aren't lighting the box office on fire I do think those are going to be very good matches, and then you add what should be a bona fide great match with a possible high-end Triangle Gate challenge, which I think is a, a match that high-end could very easily win. That's fun yeah. stuff. That is a fun-sounding Memorial Gate show, assuming that is the direction they go. Yeah, I'm just guessing, and it's just kind of like reading the tea leaves there, and it just makes sense to me, given... That like they traded Wakiyama like a big deal last year. So if you hopped on board with Wakiyama, it's usually not that case. It, it it used to be a completely sold show that came out on DVD six months later. But I mean, given the other two title matches, I can see that happening there, and then a whole lot of weirdness left over in the undercard there. But yeah, it, that show will be 
on the 19th. It is a 6.30 p.m. Japanese Standard Time start. Because we skipped, because we jumped forward, it is going to be a 5.30 a.m. East Coast start. Which for me, that's almost about when I have to get up each morning and let out the dog. So there's a little bit of me saying, like, do I want to start my day early? And then I realize wait, I'm going to be dealing with a dog for about an hour who I have to keep him to his schedule and not feed him, and he's going to be an absolute just ball of teeth and razor and razor claws and fur for that. So probably we'll catch this later. I wake up at 5 o'clock every morning for my job now, so I take the sleep when I can get it, and thus I will be watching this on demand. And that's... Oh, before we go, uh, we you noticed that there was a new Torimon upload this week and you got a chance to kind of flip through it uh i did not get a chance what what were your thoughts on this new upload for the torimon archive yeah real quick on the dragon gate network just uploaded the december 2001 january 2002 episode of vamanos amigos the torimon tv show and there's some fun stuff here this is the fallout of the hair versus hair match between shima and mochizuki which was uploaded to the network either last month or the month before so masaki mochizuki is now a baby face and there are people within M2K that have some issues with that. On this show, there is a super fun Bicycle Brothers versus Kineska match. Uh, so Don Fuji, Ryo Saito versus Susumu Yokosuka and Darkness Dragon, now known as Kines. And then there is a very fun match that it, I believe it's in full. And if it's clipped, it's only clipped by a minute or two. But an M2K versus Crazy Max, that is Shima, Big Fuji, and Taru, UWA, six-man championship match that is from Cork and Hall. And then the thing that I did not have a chance to watch was the later, the Doofixer Magnum Tokyo Dragon Kid and Arakin challenge for those same belts that match happened in Osaka. So we're moving into 2002 now. You have Mochizuki turning face. We are quickly approaching the T2P invasion of Torimon and vice versa. So there's a lot of stuff, fun stuff happening there. And I will continue to keep you updated whenever new stuff is uploaded to Drangi Network. If they no, the the invasion is still a couple months away. I was gonna say if the invasion was next month during one of the slow weeks, that would be a fun thing to watch and talk about. But I think that the calendar doesn't line up for that. Yeah, the next T2P show that's gonna hit the network is I believe, and I'm scrolling cage match here to see if I can find it real quick, but I believe it's going to be the Marriage Assessment League, which was the El Numero Uno equivalent that T2P ran uh, as Torimon had the El Numero Uno tournament. And that's probably the lowest point of T2P if there is one, but still it's T2P, and so at the bottom line... It is very fun. Yeah, that has a Milano versus Yoshino match on those tapings. That that one I enjoyed quite a bit. The other stuff is uh, to say to say it politely, it's a little bit messy as you get through the rest of those shows. But you know, whenever the T2P stuff is uploaded, we like to talk about it on the show. And whenever there's a new Vamos Amigos that's uploaded, I at least like to point out what I've seen and what I would recommend. Which for this December 2001 January 2002 episode is pretty much the whole episode. It clocks in at an hour and 14 minutes, and there's a lot of good stuff on here. Yeah, so that's something to check out with how slow these kind of, this next few weeks are because when it, when May happens, as we talked about at the top, it, it's going to be fast and furious, and you know our nice leisurely one-hour-plus episodes might be a thing of the past when we have to talk about 
a triple shot in Sapporo, a Korokin, and then an Osaka show in the same week. I'm looking forward to it, though, Mike. There's no one else I would rather do it with. Amen. You too. And that's going to do it for this week, unless you had anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here. That's it. All right. So you can follow the podcast at Open Voice Gate. I'm at Fujiheya, in cases that underscore in your case. So that's going to do it for Open the Voice Gate. Next week, we'll be back talking about the Go Home show before Memorial Gate and Wakayama. That's it for Open the Voice Gate. Take care. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.